Good morning, everyone. I trust that this is working, but I have no way to know. My wife is monitoring via Facebook. I have to say I'm blessed, but I miss you all. I miss being there. I'm looking forward to coming home. I needed a break. Chris's mom made that possible, and so we took her up on her offer, and here we are. Hopefully everything will go well with this recording, and you all will be blessed by the message that the Lord has given me to prepare. Before we start, I'd like us to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We know that your word has a lot to say about believers' conduct and way of life. As it's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when we were children, we spoke as children and understood as children and thought as children. But when we became grown, we put away childish things. Even now, though, we see in a mirror dimly. But when we are with you, we will see you face to face. And now we know in part, but when we're there, we will know just as we are also known we know that your word says, now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Enable us and empower us, Lord, with your word today, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> the one that we call Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And his life was the example of selfless love. He distilled the scriptures down to the concept of love. He said, love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And he also said, you are to love your neighbor as yourself, not better or greater and not lesser than yourself, equal to yourself. Following Christ, we copy or follow His way. Now we're going to read from the fifth chapter of Galatians today. Our emphasis will be on the fruit of the Spirit. This is the same passage of Scripture that we looked into last week when we observed the works of the flesh. I'd like to pray again. Father, before we go any further, I ask that you would guide us in your word today. Seek your word as the rule and the guide for our lives. Please lead each of us to worship you alone in spirit and in truth. Please open the eyes of our understanding. Help us to comprehend what you are saying to us today. Please block any and all distractions. And use me, Lord. Use me to preach and teach your word. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, Galatians chapter 5. You will not have a screenshot of it there. But you'll find that on page 1793. In the Bibles there in your seats. Page 1793, Galatians chapter 5, if I got the page right, I hope I did, 
If I didn't, maybe somebody will shout it out. We are going to read verses 16 through 26. Galatians 5, 16 to 26. And it might help if I would pull up a Bible here because I don't have one in front of me. Isn't that something? Prepared for everything but that. It'll just take a moment. Galatians chapter 5. Maybe some of you are still flipping the pages. The Lord has allowed us to take this break so that you can get to that place in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. And we will read what's written there. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I trust that God will add His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word today. <clears throat> I mentioned last week that we have a great tension between the Spirit and the flesh. And that tension can be extreme at times. The flesh works against the Spirit. In fact, in Galatians 5.17, it tells us the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. In other words, sometimes you just can't do what you'd like to do. But it's a temporary the flesh battles against the Spirit, and that is bad news. Our flesh wrestles against the Spirit. But remember, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against those principalities and powers, the rulers in high places, those things that are driven by the enemy, driven by sin. The Spirit and the flesh go in opposite directions. And the Spirit battles against the flesh. And that is good news. Because the Spirit of Almighty God who inhabits you 
infuses you and enables you to produce good fruit. Whichever one, whether it be your flesh or your spirit that you feed, that's the one that grows the strongest. And this is where our role as followers of Christ can be difficult. We need to prune those things from our lives so that they don't take over. And sometimes you do what you don't want to do, but you correct. Let's read over verses 22 to 26 again, shall we? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And there's a lot to unpack there for sure. You know, while I'm preparing this message this week, while I was preparing... I was challenged by my flesh to maintain the fruit of the Spirit. Notice the difference between the plural works of the flesh, the works of the flesh, and then the singular fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh are many, and they all come from one source, the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit comes from God's Spirit. All flesh came into being on the earth through sinful man. Adam sinned, and because of his sin, flesh became sinful. Now the corruption that was caused by sin had to be corrected. Because we learn in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12... Sin came into the world through one person, Adam, and death came through sin. We were punished by Adam's sin. We learned that death spread to everyone because all then sinned. It's not because Adam sinned that death came as much to us, but because we sinned. And because we sinned, we were on that path to everlasting punishment. And that corruption had to be corrected or all would die. Remember, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life in Christ our Lord. That's what's written in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 18 and 19, we hear this. Therefore, as through one man's offense came judgment to all men, it resulted in condemnation, even so through one man's righteousness, his act, his act, his one righteous act, the free gift, came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Praise God for his eternal gift. Those who are born anew by God's Spirit Produce the fruit of the Spirit. And notice that the tense again, notice that it is singular. All of those words describe fruit, not fruits. It's not plural. 
It is like a fruit salad, and every believer receives all aspects. It is available for all of us. Each of us receive the fruit of the Spirit to bear in our lives. In 1 Corinthians, verse, or excuse me, chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, we learn that the gifts of the Spirit are different than the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts are multiple. One believer may receive one gift and another receive another gift. And some receive more than one. We know that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another, notice they're separate gifts and they're separate people that are receiving them. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. In other words, different languages. To another, the interpretation of those languages. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. We don't work at producing fruit any more than a tree does. We don't work at producing berries, the fruit of berries from a bush. The bush produces that fruit naturally. It occurs naturally. Blueberry bushes produce blueberries. Blackberry bushes produce blackberries. All fruit-bearing trees and shrubs produce that fruit which they are designed by God to produce. Nor do we produce anything other than Spirit-filled fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Everything God created produces after its own kind. Pruning increases the yield and the quality, not just the quantity, but also the quality of the fruit. God prunes His means of production. That's a whole other sermon. We're not going to go there. But I want you to understand there's pruning involved. And we participate in the process of pruning. Even as everything that God created on earth produces what He designed it to produce, so do Spirit-infused believers. The Holy Spirit of Almighty God produces fruit, not us. The fruit is born by us. It's expressed by us. We bear it. Others benefit from His production of fruit in our lives. When Almighty God's Holy Spirit infuses these fleshly bodies, it is natural that we bear spiritual fruit. Excuse me. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit is the lifeblood of believers. He changes our outward expression and our conduct as we yield to Him. Have you ever seen, say, an apple tree that produces different types of apples? They take the rootstock from a healthy, strong, mature tree and they graft onto it other types of apples. And those apples, they produce after their own kind, even though they're drawing from the same roots and stock 
as all of the other apples. And you see, that's like the Holy Spirit infusing believers. We are fed by the Holy Spirit. And we produce the fruit of the Spirit because we are producing after His kind. It's important that we get this message so that we can remember to study God's Word and prune the opposites from our lives. We will know the opposite of love. We will know the opposite of joy. We will know the opposite of peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. We'll know the difference and we can prune them from our lives. I've had plenty of practice this week, I'll tell you folks. I really have. Praise the Lord. Alright, so let's begin with love, joy, and peace. These are three words used rather frequently among believers. Love, joy, and peace. Love comes from the Greek word agape. It means affection or benevolence. And specifically, plurally, it means a love feast. It's like the luncheon that you all are going to enjoy after the service. You will enjoy a feast of charity. A love feast. This was the original communion of believers. This was the original remembrance of the Last Supper. The meals that we share here are an expression of agape. Affectionately sharing meals together expresses spiritual fruit. Everybody participates in some way. Agape can be intentionally cultivated. Fed with God's word and prayer, love blossoms. It blossoms. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, it is written, And this I pray, that your love may yet abound more and more in full knowledge and all perception, for you to distinguish the things that differ, that you may be sincere and without blame for the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness through Jesus Christ, Yahashua, Messiah, to the glory and praise of God. This is the will of God for all believers, to be filled with fruits of righteousness. This is another word or another phrase for the fruit of the Spirit. Joy. Joy is also described as part of the fruit of Almighty God's Spirit. It's translated from the Greek word that means cheerfulness, calm delight, gladness. To be exceedingly joyful, to joyfully express ourselves, to have joyfulness, to be joyous, to be full of cheer. And that means to be calmly happy or well off. And I'm using the Strong's Greek and Hebrew dictionary for the definitions here. Do not sorrow, it's written in Nehemiah 8, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Remember that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The enemy uses the opposite of joy. The enemy uses melancholy, sadness, sorrow, discouragement, unhappiness, and even mourning to produce depression. And you see, being melancholy from time to time is a normal human expression of emotion. And being sad is normal. 
Being sorrowful or discouraged from time to time is all normal. Being a little unhappy from time to time is normal. But the enemy depresses our spirit to stop us from producing joy. That's the problem. Praise the Lord even when, or especially when, you feel sad or discouraged or unhappy. Praise God. Shout a praise to God. I had a college professor who told me this once, and I never forgot it. And I praise God for him. I trust he's in the Lord's care right now. He's passed on to glory. When you feel sad or discouraged or unhappy, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Shout a praise. Can we get everybody now to just shout a praise to God? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Come on, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, sadness and discouragement, as I said, are natural. And they're not evil in and of themselves. However, we must prune them out, or they become like wild roses. Wild roses take over the rose bush, and eventually you no longer have the cultivated variety that you started with. And sadly, the wild roses are not as desirable as the ones that were cultivated. You don't want them to take over. You don't want the, the, the works of the flesh to take over in your life. We have to prune out those things that are opposite. Because they can take over and continually produce the opposite of the fruit of God's Spirit. God's fruit of the Spirit includes joy. Joy. Be joyous. Even if you don't feel like it. Shout a praise to God. Smile. It actually takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. And I'm always telling people, smile, smile, smile. I'm so used to not smiling that it's hard for me too, folks. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. My wife knows. Like love, though, we can cultivate joy intentionally, on purpose. By pruning the opposites. Now let's move on to peace. Yes, I'm sweating. <laughs> it's, the temperature's in the 80s here. I don't know what it is right now. It was about 80 degrees a little while ago. <clears throat> but I'm praising God for that. So on to peace. Thayer's Greek lexicon tells us that the, the Greek word that's translated to peace in the fruit of the Spirit is a state of a national tranquility. It's also exemption from the rage and havoc of war. And it means peace between individuals. Harmony in concord. Security. Safety. Prosperity. Felicity. Because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. And of the Messiah's peace. The way that leads to peace. Salvation. This word peace is the tranquil state of a soul that's assured of salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is, the blessed state of devout and upright men after death. We fear nothing from God. We're content with whatever the lot is. Sometimes that's difficult. 
It's difficult for me too, folks. It's difficult right now. This is not the ideal circumstance for me for preaching. There are things going on here that are making it difficult, that are distracting me. I don't want to be distracted. But I want those fruits of the Spirit to be exhibited in me as well as in you. The peace facet of spiritual fruit is the Messiah's peace. He made peace between us and our Heavenly Father. And this produces the tranquil state of a soul that's assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot, whatsoever that is, we live at peace. We have peace with our Maker through Christ. We have peace forevermore through the sacrifice, the price that He paid. The opposite of contentment is the fruit of the enemy. And so it's difficult. Sometimes when we're not content, whenever things aren't the way we'd like them to be, it's difficult for us. We have to wage that war. We have to prune those things out of our lives. Excuse me, one moment. Aiden, why don't you come on out here and stand with Grandma, okay? boy. That way you're not in my side sight. boy. Okay. So now I have an audience with you all and with two others here present. So, it's written in Romans chapter 6 and verse 22. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. In the end, everlasting life. You see, the fruit of the Spirit ultimately creates in us that blessed state of holiness. It's not holiness where we fight to do something or don't do something. It's not like we have a list that we need to follow. We allow the Holy Spirit to manifest in us. And now we're going to look at long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. Long-suffering is that aspect or facet of the fruit of the Spirit that's perhaps least understood. And I mean stand under. I want you to stand under the teaching of God's Word. Objectively, long-suffering, the Greek word for long-suffering, was translated to long-suffering, means forbearance, or subjectively it means fortitude, and patience, endurance, constancy, steadfastness, perseverance, slowness in avenging wrongs. And there's another Greek word that's attached to this one that means that you endure long. Long enduring temper. And it means there's some leniency involved. You're tolerant, you're accommodating, you're selfless. And there's a disposition to bear injuries patiently. And you put up with things you'd rather not have to endure. Like I am now. Practice builds strength, though. Pruning improves ability. In James chapter 1 and verse 4, it is written, But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In Hebrews chapter 10, it's written, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while... And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. 
But if anyone draws back, it's written, my soul, God's soul, has no pleasure in them. And that refers to three passages of Scripture from the Old Testament. It's written in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36 to 38, but it's referring to Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Zephaniah 1, 6, and Malachi 1, 10. For those of you who want to look it up. And then we move on to the fruit, or the aspect of fruit that's called gentleness or kindness. It means moral excellence, and that is in character or demeanor, integrity, and goodness, compassion, kind-heartedness, thoughtfulness. The enemy leads non-spirit-filled people to believe that this aspect of spirit-filled living is weakness. In other words, you've probably heard that phrase, they take my kindness for weakness. And very often that happens. When you exhibit this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, there will be those who take it for weakness. But you have to remember it takes a great deal of inner strength to maintain gentleness and kindness in some circumstances. Spiritual strength is required to remain gentle and kind, especially when darkness confronts us, especially when circumstances go differently than we planned for or prepared for, especially when things are not the way we'd like them to be, especially when people bring verbal or other types of attacks against us. Gentleness and meekness go hand in hand. Meekness is not weakness, folks. It is controlled strength. It takes a great deal of inner strength. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it is written, verses 5 through 8, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love for if these things are yours and abound you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior and then we look at this word goodness okay it's an aspect of the fruit of the spirit goodness it means beneficent and the Thayer's Greek lexicon defines that Greek word that's translated goodness, it, it defines it as uprightness of heart and life. Goodness, kindness, virtue, aid, alms, charity, contribution, gift, grace, offering, and philanthropy. The goodness of our heart is observed in our selfless giving to help others. And this separates us from non-spirit-filled folk. In Romans 11 and 22, it's written, Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. There's two sides of God. We hear about the goodness of God, but very often we ignore the severity of God. And remember, on those who fell, it's written in Romans 11 22, God was severe. He punished them severely. When they fell away from Him, He punished them. But toward you... And me, he's had goodness, and he's shown his goodness. And if we continue in his goodness, we'll remain in his goodness. But the scripture says, otherwise, you also will be cut off. 
We're no different than the people of old. His word tells us that here in the New Testament Scripture. In Romans 15 and verse 14, it is written, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 11, it's written, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. The final aspect or facet of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. The King James Version of the Bible calls it temperance. Self-control. Sometimes you get pushed beyond your ability and you lose it. Hopefully I won't. Praise the Lord. The self-constraint or self-restraint, especially regarding fleshly pleasures, including sexual activity, mastering and controlling and curbing and restraining the self. Temperance is also observed in eating and drinking habits. In other words, no gluttony. We don't overeat. We don't overdrink. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5, through 5, it is written, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, it's written, turn away. Are we limited in any way regarding the bearing of spiritual fruit, the, the fruit of the Spirit? Against such, it's written, there is no law. There is no restriction. In other words, bearing the fruit of the Spirit is unlimited. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit of Almighty God to abundantly bear His fruit. We can never be too loving. We can never be too joyous. We can never be too peaceful, too long-suffering. We can never be too kind, too giving, too forgiving, too compassionate, too faithful, too gentle, or too self-controlled. There's no, there's no law against it. There's nothing that says that you can only be long-suffering to a point. You can only be loving to a point. You can only be joyous to a point. That's not written. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, it is written, Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The root word for crucify figuratively means to extinguish, to subdue, and uh, to get rid of the passion and selfishness. Selfishness is rampant in the world today. But the root word for crucify, because it tells us those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
Crucify includes the idea of painful extinguishing of selfishness. Painful. Now, either you're going to make the tree good, and it's fruit good. It's written in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33. Or else make the tree bad, and it's fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. In Galatians 5.25, it says to us, it says to every believer, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, our lives will reveal if God's Holy Spirit has enveloped us. We call being baptized in the Spirit. We will not indulge in immoral living. We actively participate in the battle between the flesh and the Holy Spirit. We deliberately resist the works of the flesh. We allow the Holy Spirit to rule dynamically. He is the dynamite, the dunamos, the power, and His work blows up anything that opposes God. We simply need to get out of the way, to allow Him to have His way in us. No matter how much spiritual fruit we bear, Galatians 5.26 instructs us not to place ourselves above others. No matter how much fruit we bear, we're not to be proud, we're not to compare ourselves with others, nor are we to provoke one another or be jealous of one another. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Do we work out our salvation? We don't work for our salvation. And, folks, as I wrap this up, I want each of you to remember to feed your spirit by reading God's Word. I want you to talk with Him daily. And remember to prune the opposite of love, joy, peace, long-suffering. The opposite of kindness. The opposite of goodness. Prune the opposite of faithfulness. Prune the opposite of meekness. Prune the opposite of self-control. Go forth and bear the fruit of the Spirit. Blessed is the man, it's written in Psalm chapter 1. There's a first Psalm, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I want each of you to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's what's written in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. I want you to be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
I want you to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now this is going to be a short message, and I apologize for that, folks. I trust that each of you will take the Word in your heart, and you will produce fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Almighty God, and none other. And I pray for each and every one of you that as you join with one another in lunch today, that maybe you would introduce yourselves to someone that you haven't met before. Mingle a bit. Get out there and say hello to one another. Maybe you see somebody that you haven't spoken with before, and you can sit down at the table with them, share a meal with them, share the love of Christ, the agape love of Christ. And I pray in Christ's name that each of you would be blessed by Almighty God, in the doing of His will, in His way. Amen. Thank you very much. I hope again that this word feeds your soul. Until we're back, and I'm looking forward to that, folks. I'm looking forward to being back. I'm not comfortable doing this. But if I have to, I will. I want to because I want to be able to bring a message to the folks that God has entrusted to me. God bless you and keep you. And enjoy your lunch. I suppose someone will receive an offering. Amen. Amen. Amen.